0: chapter Five of the coming of the law by charles alden seltzer this LibriVox recording is in the public domain the girl of dry bottom hollis was not frightened though he was in a position that might have aroused fear or apprehension in any man's mind he was alone the man had him covered with a rifle and assuredly this was one of dunlavey's hirelings hollis glanced swiftly around certain signs some shrubbery that he saw through the canyon a bald butte or two rising in the distance told him that he was near the river and norton had told him to keep away from the river trail in his eagerness to explore the country he had forgotten all about norton's warning the prospect was not a hopeful one yet hollis could not have admitted to feeling any alarm he realized but had the man intended any immediate harm he would have shot him down long before this while he had sat motionless in the saddle inspecting the place concerning the man's intentions he could only speculate but assuredly they were not peaceful for a little time the man remained motionless and hollis sat quiet looking at him the weapon had not moved its muzzle still menaced him and he watched it closely wondering whether the man would give him any warning when about to pull the trigger many minutes dragged and the man did not move a slow anger began to steal over hollis the man's inaction grated on his nerves well he challenged sharply what do you want there was no answer hollis could only see the man's head and shoulders projecting above the boulder and the rifle steady and level menacing him with an exclamation of rage and disdain he seized the bridle rein and pulled sharply on it swinging the pony's head around the rifle crashed venomously hollis felt the right sleeve of his shirt flutter and he pulled the pony abruptly up just to show you came the man's voice mockingly if you move again until i give you the word you won't know where you've been hit hollis was satisfied the man undoubtedly meant business he settled back into the saddle and looked down at his shirt sleeve the bullet had passed very close to the arm if that man had meant the bullet for that particular spot he was a deadly marksman in the face of such marvelous shooting hollis did not care to experiment further but his anger had not yet abated no doubt you are enjoying yourself he said with bitter sarcasm but the pleasure is all yours. I am not enjoying myself a bit, I assure you, and I don't like the idea of being a target for you to shoot at. A laugh came back to Hollis, a strange, unnatural, sardonic cackle that, in spite of his self-control, caused his flesh to creep, and then the man's voice. No, you don't like it. I knew that all along, but you're going to stay here for seven weeks while I shoot holes in you. He laughed again, his voice high and shrill, its cackling cadences filling the place. Seven weeks in Devil's Hollow came the voice again. Seven weeks, seven weeks. Hollis felt his heart thumping heavily against his ribs while a sinking sensation in the pit of his stomach told him that his courage was touched. He realized now why the man had not shot him down immediately. He was a maniac for a few terrible seconds hollis sat in the saddle while the world reeled around him while the rocks and cliffs danced fantastically courage he had to be sure he had already become resigned to death before the man's rifle but he had imagined the man to be in full possession of his senses imagined his death to have been planned out of the deliberate coolness of reason such a death would have been bad enough but to meet death at the hands of a man mentally unbalanced somehow it seemed different seemed horribly unreal like a terrible nightmare it was some seconds before he regained control of himself and then he steadied himself in the saddle assuring himself in a burst of bitter ironic humor that death at the hands of a crazy man could be no worse than death at the hands of a rational one he looked up again a defiant smile on his lips to see that both man and rifle had disappeared. In a flash he saw his chance and took advantage of it. In an instant he was off his pony. In another he was behind a convenient rock, breathing easier, his senses alert. For some little time he remained in the shelter of the rock, awaiting the other man's movements. He did not doubt that, acting upon some freakish impulse, the man had left his boulder and was even now stalking him from some other direction. He peered carefully about him. He had no thought of shooting the man. That would be murder, for the man was not mentally responsible for his actions. His efforts must be centered slowly upon some plan for saving his own life. To do this, he realized that he must be careful. In view of the man's unerring marksmanship, it would be certain death for him to expose himself for an instant but he must take some chances. Convinced of this, he peered around the edge of his rock, taking a flashing glance around him. The man was nowhere to be seen. Hollis waited some little time, and then taking another glance, and not seeing the man, slowly rose to his feet and crouched. Then filled with a sudden, reckless impulse, he sprang for another rock a dozen feet distant, expecting each instant. To hear the crash of the man's rifle, but he succeeded in gaining the shelter of the other rock intact. Evidently, the man was looking for him in some other direction. Emboldened with his success, he grimly determined on advancing to another rock some twenty or thirty feet farther on. As in the first instance, he succeeded in gaining it in safety. His maneuvering had been circuitous, bringing him into a position from which he could see partly behind the rock where the man had been concealed. And now, having gained the second rock in safety, Hollis decided to take no more chances. Sooner or later, he was convinced, the man was sure to see him as he jumped. He did not like the picture that his imagination conjured up. Therefore, his actions were now marked with more caution. It took him a long time to gain a position where he could peer over the upper edge of the rock behind which he was concealed, but he gained it finally and then dropped back with an exclamation of surprise. He had caught a glimpse of the man, he was lying face upward behind the boulder, his arms outstretched, his rifle lying in the dust near him. Hollis was tempted to make a run for his pony, mount, and race out of the hollow, but a second thought restrained him. He had considered the man's action merely a ruse. But why should he attempt it, after he had once had an opportunity to make use of his rifle? Still for an instant, Hollis hesitated, for he knew there was no rule by which a maniac's actions might be judged. Then, with a grim laugh, he sprang over the few feet that separated him from the man, approaching him carefully, still slightly doubtful. But the man was not shamming. Hollis could see that, when he had approached close enough to see his face. It bore a curious pallor. His eyes were wide open and staring, and some foam flecked his lips. Evidently, he had been overcome by a paroxysm of his malady at about the moment Hollis had discovered it. Hollis stepped back and heaved a sigh of relief. Then he stepped over to where the man's rifle lay, taking it up and removing the cartridges. Returning to the man, he removed the cartridges from his belt and drew a six-shooter from his holster determined that when the man recovered from his stupor there would be no danger of a reoccurrence of the previous incident then he leaned against the boulder to await the man's recovery ten minutes later while he still watched the man he heard a clatter of hoofs determined not to be taken by surprise again he drew his own six-shooter and peered cautiously around the edge of the boulder what he saw caused him to jam the weapon back into its holster very hurriedly then he stepped out of his concealment with a red embarrassed face to greet a young woman whose expression of doubt and fear was instantly replaced by one of pleasure and recognition as she caught sight of him it was the girl of dry bottom oh she said it is you i was afraid and then she saw the man, and was off her pony in a flash, and at his head, supporting it and pouring something down his throat from a bottle. She rose presently. Embarrassment crimsoned her face. Hollis saw her lips quiver when she turned and spoke to him. "'He will be all right now,' she said, facing Hollis, her eyes drooping, as though ashamed to meet his. He has had another attack of his, his trouble.' she looked suddenly up at hollis bravely trying to repress her emotion but with little success you heard what he big bill dunlavey said about my brother she questioned her eyes full and moist hollis nodded and she continued rapidly her voice quavering well he told the truth her voice trailed away into a pitiful wail and she stepped over and leaned against the boulder sobbing quietly into her hands "'That's why it hurts so,' she added." Hollis yielded to a sudden wave of sympathy. He stood close to her, aware of his inability to cope with this strange situation. She looked so small, so out of place. He felt that whatever he did or said would not help matters. What he did say, however, assisted in restoring her composure. "'I'm glad I slugged him,' he said heatedly. She turned suddenly to him her eyes flashing spiritedly through the moisture in them. Oh, it was great, she declared, her hands clenching at the recollection. I could have shaken hands with you, with a hand that struck him. Hollis smiled whimsically. I've still got the hand, he said, significantly, extending it toward her, and if you have not reconsidered... He laughed as she took it and pressed it firmly. I rather think that we both got a shake coming on that he added i didn't understand then about your brother or i would have added a few extra pounds to that punch her face clouded as he mentioned her brother poor ed she said in a low voice she went over to the man leaning over him and smoothing back the hair from his forehead hollis looking glumly on clenching his teeth in impotent sympathy these attacks do not come often she volunteered as she again approached hollis but they do come she added her voice catching hollis did not reply feeling that he had no right to be inquisitive but she continued slightly more at ease and plainly pleased to have someone in whom she might confide ed was injured a year ago through a fall she informed hollis he was breaking a wild horse and a saddle girth broke and he fell striking on his head the wound healed, but he has never been the same. At intervals, these attacks come on, and then he is irresponsible and dangerous. She shuddered. You are watching him, she added, looking suddenly at him. Did you find him as he is, or did he attack you? Frequently, when he has these attacks, he comes here to Devil's Hollow, explaining that he expects to find some of Dunlavey's men. "'He doesn't like Dunlavey,' she added with a flush. "'Since Dunlavey,' she hesitated, and then went on determinedly. "'Well, since Dunlavey told him that he wanted to marry me. "'But Ed says that Dunlavey has a wife in Tucson. "'And, well, I wouldn't have married him anyway,' the brute. "'Exactly,' agreed Hollis gravely, trying to repress a thrill of satisfaction. "'Of course you couldn't marry him.' He understood now the meaning of Dunlavey's words to her and Dry Bottom. "'If you wasn't such a damn prude,' he had said. He looked at the girl with a sudden, grim smile. "'He said something about running you and your brother out of the country,' he said. "'Of course you won't allow him to do that.' The girl's slight figure stiffened. "'I would like to see him try it,' she declared defiantly. Hollis grinned. "'That's the stuff,' he sympathized. I rather think that Dunlavey is something of a bluffer, that folks in this country have allowed him to have his own way too much. She shook her head doubtfully. I don't know about that, she returned. Then she smiled. You are the new owner of the Circle Bar, aren't you? Hollis, startled, looking at her with a surprised smile. Yes, he returned, I am the new owner. But how did you know it? I haven't told anyone here. Except Neil Norton and Judge graney Have Norton and the judge been talking? They haven't talked to me, she assured him, with a demure smile. You see, she added, you were a stranger in Dry Bottom, and after you left the fashion, you went right down to the courthouse. I knew that Judge graney had been your father's friend, and then I saw Neil Norton coming into town with a buckboard. She laughed. You see, it wasn't very hard to add two and two. Why, no, Hollis agreed, it wasn't, but how did you happen to see me go down to the courthouse? Why, I watched you, she returned, and then suddenly aware of her mistake in admitting that she had felt an interest in him at their first meeting, she lowered her gaze in confusion and stood kicking with her booted toe into a hummock, her face suddenly very red. The situation might have been embarrassing for her had not her brother created a diversion by suddenly sighing and struggling to sit up the girl was at his side in an instant assisting him the young man's bewilderment was pitiful he sat silent for a full minute gazing first at his sister and then at hollis and finally at his surroundings then when a rational gleam had come into his eyes he bowed his head a blush of shame sweeping over his face and neck i expect i've been at it again he muttered without looking up the girl leaned over him reassuring him patting his face lovingly and letting him know by all a woman's arts of the sympathy and love she bore for him hollis watched her with a grim satisfied smile if he had had a sister he would have hoped that she would be like her he stepped forward and seized the young man by the arm helping him to his feet you are right now he assured him there has been no harm done standing the young man favored hollis with a careful inspection he flushed again you're the man that rode through the draw he said i saw you and thought you were one of dunlavey's men i shot at you once and was going to shoot again but something cracked in my head i hope i didn't hit you embarrassment again seized him his eyes drooped of course you are not one of Dunlavey's, he added, or you wouldn't be here talking to Sis. No friend of Dunlavey's could do that. He looked at the girl with a tender smile. I don't know what I'd do if it wasn't for her, he added, speaking to Hollis. But I expect it's a good thing that I'm not crazy all the time. He looked searchingly at Hollis. I've never seen you before, he said. Who are you? I'm Kent Hollis. The young man's eyes lighted not jim hollis's son he asked hollis nodded the young man's face revealed genuine pleasure you're going to stay in this here country he asked i'm going to run the circle bar returned hollis slowly "Bully!" declared the young man there's some folks around here said you wouldn't have nerve enough to stay he made a wry face but i reckon you've got nerve or you'd have hit the breeze when i started to stampede he suddenly held out his hand. I like you, he said impulsively. You and me are going to be friends. Shake. Hollis saw a smile of pleasure light up the girl's face, which she tried to conceal by brushing the young man's clothing with a gloved hand, meanwhile keeping him between her and Hollis. Hollis stood near the boulder, watching them as they prepared to depart. The girl telling her brother that he was find his pony on the plains beyond the canyon i'm glad i didn't hit you the young man told hollis as he started away with the girl if you are not scared off you might take a run down to the shack sometime. it's just down the creek a ways hollis hesitated and then catching the girl's glance he smiled i can't promise when he said looking at the girl but you may be sure that i will look you up the first chance i get he stood beside the boulder until he saw them disappear around the wall of the canyon. Then, with a satisfied grin, he walked to his pony, mounted, and was off through the draw toward the Circle Bar Ranch House. End of chapter 5